have uh, a number of wonderful chaplains that God has blessed us with. They've been been helping teach our Sunday schools, have been preaching the word and rotation in various ways. And I, I, I love the diversity of getting to hear these, these different uh, men of God uh, bring God's word to us. Uh, but we also have a very gifted ruling elder, uh, Rick Malik, who's teaching Sunday school. We're making him do double duty today. So, Rick, uh, brother, we love you. Come on up here and bring God's word to us. Rick is getting very near the end of his seminary training. He will have had uh, all the training that uh, pastors have except for the languages. So, Rick, go ahead and bring us God's word today. Thank you. That's right, and I'm too old to learn a new language, so I'm not taking Greek and Hebrew. (laughs) Well, good morning and happy Father's Day to all you fathers. I started the day off right. My wife made me some eggs and bacon and grits and... You know, you know, Father's Day is really about meat. So, right, man? Yeah. So tonight we're having ribs and, and ribeye steak. So, uh, ladies, remember that. It's about the meat. You know, you can have a little bit of greens, but just a little, okay? I also, uh, being Father's Day, I've moved into a new stage of fatherhood, and I need your prayers. My, uh, my eldest daughter, Madison, got her driver's license this week. Really, you need to pray for my wife. (laughs) Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Title of uh, my sermon this morning is Walking in a Dry and Weary Land. Psalm 63. Please follow me. I'll be reading from the screen. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Praise God. Thank you for his word. May God add his blessing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, magnify and lift up your name this morning, and we thank you for your word that you have given us. We would ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would just open up our eyes to see your truth. Help us see Jesus. Help us see your loving and gracious heart towards us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's probably about a month ago or so when... 
one evening when I was going into uh, my son's room, Jackson, to uh, pray with him at the end of the, the day. And uh, as we were praying, after we prayed, he said, Dad, I just feel dry, spiritually dry. I wasn't startled by it. And actually, I thought it was quite an astute question for such a young guy. And of course, you know, being the dad, you want to rattle off the quick answers, right? Okay, well, Jackson, you got to put the Xbox down. You know, you can't be on that as much. You got to pray more. You got to, you know, read your Bible more. And, you know, boom, 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 boom. And I thought about that a little more. And uh, I left the room. I said, you know, there is much more to it than that. And I said, that would be a great sermon topic. So I put together this sermon, and since it's Father's Day, the sermon's for you, son, so you better pay attention, okay? <laughs> and hopefully the rest of you can glean something from this beautiful, beautiful psalm. I love this psalm. It's so full of passion and energy. It's a psalm of David. And uh, what I propose to you today is to tell you that all believers will grow through dry and weary times in their faith. However... We can be assured that God will sustain us and refresh us through those difficult times. And as every good sermon, I have three points today. I'm taking a homiletics course. You know what homiletics is? It's the art of preaching. So I've learned that Pastor Joe is doing it right, you know, <laughs> according to the book. So watch out, I'm dangerous now. So there are three points, you know, and you try to keep the letters the same. I I'm, do that to a degree today, but... First, we're going to look at what are some of the reasons, you know, we go through dry and weary land. Then we're going to look at David's response and what our response can be. And then finally, we're going to look at where is the source of refreshment? Where do we go for refreshment? You see, David uses a very rich metaphor in this psalm to describe not only his physical condition, but his spiritual condition as well. He says, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, at the beginning of the psalm, it talked about with David, it was probably in the wilderness of of Judah. And it was probably not his first time he was there. Most likely, this particular psalm was written when he was on the run uh, from his son Absalom. If you know the story, Absalom kind of staged a coup of David and wanted to overthrow David. He got all the nation to love him, Absalom, and he had his people and he staged a coup and David was on the run and David, you know, to order to become king, Absalom knew he had to get rid of his dad. And so Absalom and his men were out to kill David. And so David all of a sudden is out in the wilderness. He's out in a place where he had been before because earlier in his life, there was another king that was chasing after him and that was King Saul that was trying to kill him. So David had much experience in this particular wilderness. And so I don't think this was his first prayer, but as we look at this prayer, we learn a lot about it. What do you think of when you think of a, a desert, a dry and weary land? You know, I've stationed in uh, Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas for three years, and one of the things I loved to do was go mountain biking. And so I would go out on the outskirts of the city, and there were Areas where you're out in the desert where you can ride your bike. It was very hilly, very rocky, crags, you know, not much vegetation, uh, occasional cactus. You didn't want to fall near a cactus for sure. And, you know, it, was a, it had its own beauty to itself. But by the end of the bike ride, when you're getting tired and you're thirsty, it's not so beautiful anymore. You're ready to go for the refreshment of water and rest. And I'm sure David was thinking about that. 
So here he is. Think about it. Put yourself in his shoes. He is no longer on the throne. He has been swept away. Now he had to leave family. He had to leave friends. He had to leave his kingdom. He had to leave all the comforts of home. And I think sometimes we underestimate, we don't think about what they went through, but that would be pretty tragic. You and I don't have to think about it. I was trying to think of what's the closest thing. I mean, you can imagine uh, some of the villagers in Iraq or uh, Syria when ISIS would come in and they would try to, you know, uh, kidnap their children. These people would try to get out of town as quickly as possible. You leave with whatever little you have. And David had little. And he was out there in the cave with a few of his men. And so... He missed his family. He missed his kingdom. He missed his worship, the corporate worship that they enjoyed in Jerusalem. And so all these things are weighing down upon him, and it's causing him to think, I'm in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You know, when we think about spiritual dryness, there's a spectrum, right? A little bit dry all the way over here, like I am fainting, dying, I need water, I'll do anything for water. And we're all in that spectrum, usually one degree or another during our lives. And believe me, we will go through dry times. It's just part of the ebb and flow of life. If you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress, it is a progress, right? There are things that we're going to encounter as we walk through this particular life. But there are going to be things that are going to be trying to get us to look away from God, to look to others, there are going to be things that are going to try to knock you off your horse. And, and, it's going to, and the enemy is going to come in and try to discourage you and beat you down. But you know what? We can look for the refreshment that David talks about here. So what are some reasons for spiritual dryness? Well, number one, there are things that are outside of our control, right? For David, this was outside of his control. He did not do anything to merit this however you know that you could say there's a little bit of sin on his side if you recall his disobedience with uh, by committing adultery with Bathsheba and then killing her husband Uriah you know God said you will, your family is going to be judged so maybe but still this was totally outside of his control you know there are going to be things in your life in my life that's going to come in and just out of the blue it could be a death of a loved one could be a bad diagnosis of health. could be a child that, you know, raised in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and they walk away from their faith. could be a great sickness. There are so many different things that we'll try to lock. could be a loss of a job, okay? What do we do in those circumstances? What do we do? Well, you know, we have to count those as believers to the providence of God. You know, the providence, God's in control. We as believers can recognize that if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Even when we're going through those difficult times, we can put our trust and our faith in God. I love the word providence. It's a great term, but it talks about the governance of God by which he, with his wisdom and his love, cares and directs all things in the universe, you and I love that verse, right? Romans eight twenty eight. My God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who call according to his purpose. So things outside of our control. You know, I was thinking of maybe things that aren't on the grand scale, but a little lower. But how about chronic pain? I know there are people in here who have chronic pain, back aches, headaches, stomach ailments, Things that just nag you. Some of you may have a hard time sleeping. You feel low on energy. Those things can plague not only our physical but our emotional 
and our spiritual well-being, they can cause dryness. How about sin? That's probably the big one, right? Sin. I'm not talking about everyday run-of-the-mill sin, which you and I commit. I'm talking about besetting sin, sins that you and I may struggle with, that you know you keep thinking you're going to overcome it, and you don't. And when you don't overcome it, you feel the guilt, right? You feel the condemnation, and you feel like, oh, I'm just not good enough. And it nags at you, and it saps you of your spiritual energy. David, after he finally recognizes sin towards Bathsheba and towards Uriah and ultimately towards God in his great prayer in Psalm 51, highlights some of these things when he says, Lord, let me hear joy and gladness again. Cast me not away from your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He was looking for that because sin will cause that will cause separation from God and will cause us many times to move into a period of dryness. How about just the busyness and monotony of daily life, right? Got a lot of young families in here, lots of young kids running around. That is a busy time. It was only a few years ago, I remember, when we had three kids under the age of five. I know it is to chase them around. It busy, busy, busy. You know, by the way, would you get older and I get teenagers and that it doesn't get less busy. <laughs> But some of you, you know, you're just busy. We're constantly going, you know. And if we're not careful, that can lead us into a stage of, of dryness, of spiritual dryness. You're all familiar with the parable of the sower, right, where Jesus talks about the different grounds. One of the grounds he calls the thorny ground, right? And, and the thorny ground is where the cares of the world choke out the word and it proves unfaithful. Just cares of life sometimes, if we're not careful, can overwhelm us and cause us to get dry. How about good things? Here's where I think sometimes the good things in life. In that same exact uh, analogy where Jesus used the sower, the choking out, he says, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things choke out the word. Other things. He's talking about Good things. A lot of you are familiar with Hebrews 12, 1, a very famous passage says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When the writer was writing that, he was saying, Yes, there's the obvious, get rid of the sin, but what are these weights? These are things in our lives that if we give them an inordinate amount of time and of our energy become weights and weigh you down. You know, it could be your family. Raising children. You know, you could put children up there on become an idol. It could be your job. It could be your leisure time. It could be vacations. It could be lots of different things. I'll give you an example for me. <clears throat> It was, uh, let's see, 2002, I had just finished up command at Hurlburt, uh, and uh, it was a busy two years as a commander. The first year for you in the military, we went through an operational readiness inspection and a unit compliance inspection in the same year, so we do that. And after that ended, I thought, well, I got smooth sailing. And then, if you all remember, 2001, what happened? September 11, 2001. Well, I was in special ops. Special ops was the guys that were first out in the fight. We were nonstop busy during that time. Well, at the end of my command in the summer of that year, 
I kind of got rewarded by the Air Force. I got what you all know is a cushy staff job in Europe. So here I come, Europe, you know, Germany, beautiful, beautiful country there. And we get there and they're like, I get this cushy job, not as much pressure or stress and got a lot of free time. And, and, you know, I'd never been to Europe before and I'm enthralled with it. And we're just going out traveling here and there, seeing everything, seeing the sights. You know, I got so caught up in it. I almost forgot God. Yeah, I went to church. I did an occasional Bible study, but this good thing had become so much a bigger part of me that all of a sudden, it wasn't until the end of my tour there, going to a men's uh, retreat, when the Holy Spirit came and convicted me, and I finally realized I had been not been walking with God because I had allowed something that was good to become more important. These things can sap us. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to examine ourselves occasionally. It's okay to examine yourself. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Response. So what do we do? Well, let's look to David. We can learn some things from David, some practical things that you and I can do. Number one, David reminds himself who God is. He reminds himself who God is. And notice he's a personal God. The first verse says, God, you are my God. Not just God, my God. You know, he is our God. He is our Father. For you that were in my Sunday school class today, we're going through Ephesians, and we see the promises. It says, he is our Father who caused us to be born again to a living hope. He is our Father who has predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. He is our Father who has given us his Holy Spirit. David had to remind himself of his character, who God was, okay? Verse 3, he says, your steadfast love is better than life. He had to remind himself that God, his God, even though he was in these difficult situations, was a good God who sustains him and loves him. He recognizes the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He remembers what God has done. He says, I remember your power and your glory. I remember you upon my bed. So he was reminding himself. He was remembering all that God had done for him in the past. Because again, this wasn't the first time he had gone through a difficult time. You know, memory is a very powerful thing. Remembering things is very powerful. Sometimes it can be bad, you know, when we remember bad things that happen that affect our lives. But remembering what God has done for us in the past is a very good thing. You see it throughout the Old Testament where he told them, remember when God delivered you from the hands of Pharaoh. Remember when he brought you across the Red Sea. Remember when he brought you into the promised land. And so David's kind of remembering going back. In our bedroom, we have a uh, computer on a desk, and one of the things we use as a screensaver is uh, where your pictures, you know, recycle through. And so we have thousands of pictures, you know, took as a kid, you know. It's funny, you know, when our first kid... You take hundreds of thousands of pictures, and your second, it's like tens of thousands, and then your third, it goes to thousands. But we have lots of pictures. And so, you know, I can't tell you how many times when I've been discouraged, 
for one thing or another, you know, maybe, um, uh, you know, my kids got me upset about something. Maybe I got in a little tiff with my wife. I know you're thinking, do you, you don't get in tiffs with your wife. Well, we, I get in tiffs with my wife. Probably mostly my fault. But how many times when I was going through a difficult or trying time, and all of a sudden I'm just looking up on the screen and pictures pop up, right? Pictures of the past, family things, and it just... You go back and you think about those great moments. You think where God has brought you. You think about what you've gone through, how you've enjoyed those times together. And it's just, it's just a wonderful and encouraging thing. And so David was remembering and he was reminding himself as to what God had done. What else? He says, you protect me in the shadow of your wings. He probably remembered God delivering him from the lion, from the bear, from Goliath, from the Philistines. All in the past, he knew God would deliver him again. He would take care of him. We need to remember. Listen to these words from Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were dug. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and a melodious song. Oh, that's beautiful. Remember where you were cut from. Remember where you came. Remember you once walked in the kingdom of darkness and now you walk in the kingdom of his glorious light. Christ saved you, called you, set you apart. Remember those things when you're going through the difficult times. David also does some things actively with his will. Verse 3 says, my lips will praise thee. Now, why is he praising him? Because he's remembering what God has done for him. All right? It always starts with God's grace. We recognize God's grace and then we will do something. And he used that word will. He says in verse 4, I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips, verse 5. How many times are we told in scripture to make a joyful noise unto the Lord? You know, if you're going through a difficult time or you're just feeling spiritually die, I would encourage you just to start, maybe when you're home by yourself or in the shower, sing out loud to the Lord. Say a prayer. You know, my kids know that I'll sometimes sing, but you know, you're just going through the day. It's amazing. You start saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You start hearing that, I do, and it just, all of a sudden, what are you doing? You're repeating the word of God, right? And you're hearing the word of God right? That's good for the soul. And that's what David's doing here. He's he's lifting his hands. He's making joyful lips to the Lord. He's watching him, meditating on him in the night. He says, my soul, it clings. It clings to you. Strong, passionate language here. And you know, sometimes you have to use everything that you got in you just to do it. And that's where we call for the Lord's grace. We call him to, ha- to help us. I call this prime in the pump. Prime in the pump. I remember when I was a boy, probably, I don't know, I talked to my brother tonight. I had to verify the facts. But we're probably eight or nine. We were young. <laughs> we used to take hikes. We'd go to Brady's Run Park, probably about three or four miles, eight or nine, you know. I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't let my kids go to the corner, you know. <laughs> And all the kids are thinking, you know, it's like, yeah, that was back in the day we didn't wear seatbelts and we had one of those things called jarts, you know, the big metal things. And it, things have changed dramatically these days. But we were, we were about eight or nine, ten, something like that. And we would take these four-mile hikes 
to a park called Brady's Run Park. And Brady's Run Park was kind of like a Lincoln Park, but maybe 10 times as large. It was huge. Had a big old lake. Had a, we call them cricks, not creeks. Up in Pennsylvania, they're cricks. And they had Brady's Run Crick. We would go there. and We loved going there and play. But this was, bef- this was uh, BBW, before bottled water. I know some of you young people are saying, really? There was a time when there wasn't bottled water? <laughs> yes, there was a time. We did not have bottled water. So we would take this four-mile hike, and we would get to Brady's Run Park, and we would be thirsty. Well, we knew where to go because they had these pumps that were hooked up to these wells. And some of you know what I mean, and they're like these long arms, right? And you get up there, and you go, you've got to prime the pump, right? And you start priming the pump, and you know, all you hear is this rusty sound, and it's like nothing's coming out. And then you hear air, and then all of a sudden, you know, you keep going, keep going, keep going. And the water comes up and shoots up, and then we all get around it to get our water. We knew where to go. We went to the well. You have to go to the well, okay? But sometimes you have to prime the pump. We had to prime the pump to get water. And David there, he's priming the pump. He's saying, I will bless the Lord. I will call upon his name. I will remember him. All right, well, that leads to the final. Where do we go? Where do we look for refreshment? Well, it's kind of implied and obvious. We go to the Lord. We go to the source. David cries out to the only one who could fill that thirst, and that's God. He can't fill it within. You and I can't fill it within. When we're dry, spiritually dry, we can't do it ourselves. We need God's marvelous grace. Remember the nation of Israel going through the desert? Forty years in the desert, the wilderness, right? Who provided their water? God. Paul recognized that in 1 Corinthians 10.4, and he said, All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. The nation of Israel went through a wilderness experience. Forty years, Christ was the water that filled them up. I'm reminded of Jesus' call in John 7.37. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. Christ will sustain us. He will sustain you and me in the desert. He will give you rest. Are you weary? Remember the promise, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Water for the thirsty, rest for the weary. We must not look anywhere else. I'm reminded of the great quote from uh, St. Augustine in his Confessions. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. You know, God created us for relationship with him. And when we're out of kilter and not in right relationship with him, we're going to feel spiritually dry because that's the way he created us. It's sort of like in a marriage, you know. If my wife and I aren't getting along we're going to feel dry towards each other, right? It's like any relationship. And so we need God because he created us for that. And we must not look anywhere for substitutions. Isaiah 51, 1 through 2, if some of you are familiar with that, says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? Why do you labor for what that does not satisfy? 
listen diligently to me, eat what is good, delight in rich food. There's that idea of rich food that David talked about. Fat and rich food. I'm thinking bacon right now. (laughs) Not carbohydrates that burn off like that. I'm thinking rich, fat food. That's what God's saying, right? He's saying that. That Go to the Lord. Why can we go to the source? Why can we go to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he did it for us first. Think about it. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says, This high priest, talking about Jesus, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we did, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it most. For you see, in Matthew 4, chapter 1, Jesus willfully went into the wilderness. Willfully. David did not willfully go into the wilderness. He was forced into the wilderness. Jesus willfully went into the wilderness on our behalf to be tested. So he could go through what we would have to go through. And he did not sin. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying, as he's preparing to take on his final death on the cross, praying in agony, praying more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. We can go to that Jesus. And then finally, in Matthew 27, 46, Jesus on the cross cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's repeating a Psalm 22 where David quoted the same thing. He is saying, my God, Christ went to the source. Christ went before us. We need to now go to him. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you in a dry and weary land? Turn to Christ. And remember, if it comes down the road, remember where to turn. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son who died on the cross for our sins. We thank you for the life that he lived. And we thank you, Lord, for the refreshment that he provides us. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that you would change their hearts, cause them to be born again. Let them feel that rushing water that soothes and satisfies the soul. Lord, if there's anyone here today that are discouraged and down, I pray you would lift them up. Fill them with your courage and your strength. Fill them with that refreshing water. Because as you said, you said for all to cry out to you and you will give us that living water. We need your living water. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.